Ladies and gentlemen, we're just getting the microphones if you have a question or if you have a question you want to speak up uh, and then the Sheikh will answer. Questions? Okay. The state of Ahsan. How, how can one and achieve the state of Ahsan? You've spoke so beautifully, eloquently on the 17 characteristics, but how for the regular people? What can they do during the day? What, you know, something, uh, especially Muslim. It means state of Ihsan and state of excellence, moral excellence. This is uh, not something that can be achieved within one day or one week or one year. This is whole life. And it's going to be a struggle. And, and one time I asked my guru, my sheikh, I said, I can count 17 bad characters. How I know is, is there more or that's it? Because we know there are 800. But I cannot count them. I was able to count 17. He said, look, my son, I was making seclusion for nine months in, in Medina al-Munawwara, in the Prophet's city, in a small room for nine months, not talking with anyone, only praying and focusing his heart on meditation. He said, I was able to count 167 bad characteristics that I tried my best to eliminate them. So I counted 17. He counted 167. So yes, you have to to think for one hour to meditate on yourself, what I have done today, what, how I spoke with my children, how I was in the university, how I behaved with my husband, what we did to, so you check yourself by meditation, you have to sit. This is the first thing you can do, is to sit when people are, when the children are sleeping or your husband is sleeping, you wake up at night, sit by yourself in special room in your home and close your eyes and think. At that time you can see your mistakes during the day and they are too many. I'm sorry, not to you, but. They are too many. <laughs> so, but you will find if they come. Like today you, you upload your computer with everything, and when you want to see it, you download it. So download your heart, what you have uploaded during the day. Technology is a good example today for us to think in a technical way about ourselves. Let, I don't know, there are some might be here, uh, uh, people who works IT, uh, a lot of them here. Uh, and there are some doctors here, some physicists here. What we have here, your, your computer has small chip memory. 
small that they put in the computer and has millions of informations. What you think about your brain, ask some doctors here, medical doctors, what is at the end of the brain? It's a small chip that all intelligence is in it. Everything you do in your life, it goes there. Try to bring it up. Try to decode it by bringing, by downloading back what you have done during the day. It is there. And then you find you are progressing day after day, day after day. This is how to struggle between good and what is evil. Between positive, if you don't like to call good and evil, forget about that, now the lecture is finished. Speak about negativity and positivity. As much as you are more on the positive side, as much negative is eliminated. As much as you are on the negative side, means positive is eliminated from your life. I think this is the way of everyone that's been under the teaching of religions. In India, in Hindu teachings, what they do? They don't do seclusions? Ask some Hindu, Sanita might know. Huh? Huh? Everyone, you don't do seclusion, you don't do meditation, you cannot achieve anything. Only you will be busy on this world, running, 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 running. There is no time except, there is, all, all you're thinking is how I'm going to pay my bills. Okay, there is bills for this life, there is bills for the other life. Are you thinking about the bills for the other life? No one's thinking about the other life bills. Might be more expensive there. <laughs> Buy a ticket. Get a ticket from now. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, uh, my name is Junaid. Uh, even though I'm Muslim, I have one question to ask you. Always uh, comes in my mind a lot of times. Uh, I will go back uh, before the, this this world uh, when the shaitan, the devil, uh, he was ordered by by Allah, by God, that uh, uh, you should uh, uh, make a sajda, prostrate in front of the Adam, and he refused. If, if by myself, if I would be there by looking at the glory of God, the Almighty God, His power, His, His whatever He can, I would not do it. Why He chose to go against what was be ordered, was ordered to Him? What was ordered to Him? Yes. What what like if I would be in His place uh, by my place, place of whom Satan? Uh, yes. Okay. Like uh, with the rational thinking of being in his place and knowing that, like he was he was the worshiper of God before he, he knew what the God is, what he can do to him. Why he chose with the rational thinking of my rational thinking to go to take a side that uh, he will punish me, and uh, and he 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 would like in this world I haven't seen God but I can feel him with my belief, but. To see that God in front of you, and He is going, He's giving you some order, and you chose to go against Him. This is this is the, like I'm thinking with my rational thinking why He chose to take the other side. This is a technical, uh, if we can say, a technical question in Islamic theology. It's not. I I know that might be many of the audience are not aware of 
many parts of it, but it is a, a discussion that went, go, went on and on. And you are right in your question, but there are answers. And I will summarize quickly, because this might take books to explain that and to show different uh, footnotes on this issue. But quickly, when God ordered Iblis, Satan, to make a prostration for Adam, there is in, in, this, in theology, there is an Islamic principle which, which says, al-amru fawqal adab. Order is above discipline. Like a general in the army, he ordered his soldiers to shoot, and the soldiers knows that it is not necessary to, sh to shoot them. But what they have to do? They have to execute the order. Because this is what is discipline. So don't discuss with me. I ordered you to do prostration, do it. Don't question. I am the Lord, I created you. And at least uh, Satan knows that, that God created him. So instead of making prostration, he was thinking for a blink of an eye. That's why I said it is very technical. He was thinking 2,000 years I'm being created. I was 2,000 years making such the prostration to my Lord. How I am going to do to someone other to my Lord? He, he was not able to do it. For a blink of an eye, he was thinking like that in his mind, which is, like you said, uh, to rationalize something in the mind, which how, how I do such that to someone that you created like me, I do for you. But he disobeyed the order. You were supposed to do the order and you might be rewarded, who knows? So that one. Second, many scholars, they say, and theologians, that there is a hadith of Prophet saying of Prophet, I was a prophet and Adam between soul and body or between clay and water. So in, in, in Islamic uh, teaching, theology teaching and many other sayings of the prophet, they say that Allah got has put the light of Muhammad وسلم, in the forehead of Adam. When he was ordered to make sajda, he was not making sajda to that, to Adam, he was making to sajda to that heavenly light that Allah gave to Adam. So, one second. So, he knew that he was thinking that this light means that level is going to be for himself. That is Maqam al-Mahmud. Hal Maqam al-Mahmud was being put on the forehead of Adam to be seen. When he saw 
that this level, Al-Maqam Al-Mahmud, the praised level, the glorified level, that is going to be from human being, not from angels, he refused to make sajda. Third, if Adam did not listen to Iblis, and Iblis disobeyed God for certain reasons, no one would be living on this earth, and there will be no generations here. Wisdom of our Lord is to bring everyone on earth. That's why that incident happened, to bring everyone on this earth, or else there would be no one. You want to be in heavens? Your question, if Satan did make sajda, everyone would stay there. There is no life on this earth, and God wants life on this earth. That is another answer. So there are many different answers on this question. Uh, yes, to me it does seem like uh, God wants his, his decision above all of everybody, uh, above the Iblis. I don't understand. Like the, if, if God thinks anything, he can do anything. What, if, if he has decided everybody to come on this earth, yes, we will be here. But the thing when he said, like, I'm created from the fire and he has been created from this clay, and I'm superior than him, and he's inferior than me. Why should I, even this order, like he, he, the God is in front of him. He knew all of his almighty power. My question still goes back to the, even though it's God's decision that we are here. If, if he decided us to be here, yes, we are here. But the thing is, into going into the devil's mind, why he chose, uh, to go into like, if he disobeys, he knows he's going hellfire or he's going to be punished. Why he chose that? If I would be in his place, I would never do it. Okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why don't we give a chance to another person to ask that question? This is something that you can have a debate with, sorry, a discussion no with Sheikh in private. <laughs> uh, somebody else has a question, this gentleman right here. Hi there. Uh, your speech, you spoke at length about uh, meditating or searching and thinking about it in ourselves of, or, if I dare say, faults or things that we're struggling I with. I cannot hear one. You have to oh, speak I'm sorry. louder and sorry. into the mic and speak uh, a little slower. Okay. <laughs> and during your speech, uh, you spoke at length about meditating or thinking about uh, finding faults or things that we struggle with and, you know, overcoming them. And I was just curious, uh, towards the end of the speech, um, I guess, I'm going to say ratio, but uh, of um, thinking about things that we struggle with as opposed to thinking about things that we did good. And I'm, I was curious about why you focused a lot on thinking about, on, let's say on a daily basis or whatever it is when we're meditating, about things that we struggle with as opposed to things that we do really well and, 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 and living in that almost. I don't know if that was clear. No, that's good. Uh, what you are saying is that why we don't think about what is good. But, but is because everyone thinks what is good. No one thinks what is wrong. That's why we stress at beginners to struggle against what is wrong and to eliminate from yourself then all goodness will come up and rise. And then you, because goodness 
is easy to know, to know about it. You don't need to audit it. You don't need to meditate on it because it's there. You know you did good today, you did good. Why you have to count it? Then your ego become arrogant. Then you be thinking yourself, oh, I am, I am this, I am that, I did this, I did that. So the good people, they never say, I did this, I did that. They hide it. They try to eliminate what is wrong in themselves. Then the, then the men and women and everyone can see them and say, oh, these are the really good ones, wise ones, spiritual ones. So instead of coming through goodness and count the good things, no, my opinion is I count the bad things in me. The good things will, already it is there. Why I have to worry about it? I will worry about what it's make me to be, not, not making me to be a good person. So that's why in, in theology, Islamic theology, always as an individual, I'm not speaking to count the bad things of your brothers and sisters, no. You count only your own things that is bad. Look at them that they are good. Don't look at them that they are bad. Then when you establish yourself and you uplift yourself, then at that time, you can come to them and teach them what is good and what is bad. At the beginning, you are not a professor or instructor or a teacher to teach until you get the certificate from your superior. So to get that, you have to eliminate what is not good in yourself or else people would say, why he's teaching us about goodness and about what is everything good and he is not good person. So try to take that away and then come to good things. Thank you. Uh, we will have time for three more questions because there are these musicians who want to share with us their devotion and song. So let's have three more questions. This gentleman here, this person here, this other gentleman here, and there was somebody in the middle. Yes, I know. This gentleman here, I said one, then two, and who? then there's one more person I saw. And those will be the three last questions. Oh, Rabbi. Okay. So let's, why don't we give it to you first, sir, because you were... Rabbi, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a difficult question. Uh, if you would just speak about joy in prayer, the role of joy in praying. Whenever we are in the presence of the divine, we are in joy. Prophet, peace be upon him, said, The best of my time, the best, best moment in my life is when I am in my prayers. So when people are in their prayers and really their hearts are trying to struggle not to get too many gossips in their minds when they are, because when, how you are going to have a joy when you are thinking, when you pray, and you are thinking behind the rabbi or behind the priest or behind the imam, and you are thinking how much money I have in the bank today, how much I am going to sell my stocks, how much interest I have, there is no joy. It's become like a habit. You pray and you finish and you go home. So joy is when you empty your heart from anything of the desire, bad desires, not the good desires. 
of the world, then there will be a joy in the heart. It's a good question. Uh, I Thank you for coming this evening. I really enjoyed your talk. Thank you. A lot of, a lot of wisdom. I'm glad I came t this evening. And I have so many questions, but I'm limited to one, right? Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, you had mentioned that we should be introspective, self-reflective. And one of, the ones, one of the exits on this highway was anger. As a matter of fact, the very first one was anger. And I was just wondering if... I've heard of this expression called righteous anger. And the Lord Jesus uh, once was angry in the temple when he threw the money changes out of the house of the Lord, for uh, they were ruining the house, obviously. And so I was just wondering, is there any time when a person can be righteously angry at something or someone? That's correct. Allah, God said in the Holy Quran, similar to what Jesus said in the Holy Bible, God does not like anyone to express his righteous anger except those who are oppressed. If you are oppressed, yeah, you have the right to express your anger, for sure. And people, they are expressing, but they have to express their anger only in this issue, in the righteous anger, not anything they didn't like and they are not, not oppressed by it. They want to show anger. But those who are being oppressed really and suffered really, they have to express their anger in order to correct the situation. Thank you. Your question? Assalamu alaikum. Um, salam. My question is towards Sufism. Like, I'm from Pakistan, right? What I've seen, what. I, I didn't understand. Uh, my question is towards Sufism. Huh. Um, I'm from Pakistan, and what, we, what people usually see Sufis as, they leave everything. You know, like we've studied in school about like Baba Bulisha and stuff. Like they leave everything, all every like society, and then go and you know, according to you, like they meditate and stuff. But isn't that like counter what Islam tells you? That's like, not true. Like stay in this world and then. Stay in this world and then do your duties, whatever you're told to, living like in society, not cutting off. I think what you are saying is mere propaganda that some people are coming against Sufism. Uh, Allah said in Holy Quran, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasanatan wa kina adab nar Our Lord give, uh, give us in this life good tidings, goodness, and give us in the other life goodness. So means you have to work. As Allah said in Orkan for this life and to work for the other life. So you cannot sit in the in the mosque behind in the corner and all the day you became lazy. I said lazy the prophet didn't accept laziness. Even those who are laid off them from their work today in America, they have to go and dig their gardens to show that they are doing work. Not to go sit in the mosque and do only uh, zikr. No. 
you have to do for, for, your, for this life and for the other life. So I, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, this is some kind of might be people using the name of Tasawuf in order to blame Tasawuf, which Tasawuf has nothing to do with that. Tasawuf is mere, you have to be educated in Sharia, you have been to be educated in spirituality, nafs, purification of the self, that's what we call Tasawuf. And in order to achieve what you need. Imam Malik, you know Imam Malik? You are from Pakistan, how you don't know Imam Malik? Imam Malik is the Imam that in Pakistan, uh, no, in, in, in the part of Pakistan and India, they follow Imam Malik and Imam Abu Hanifa. You know Imam Abu Hanifa? Okay, that's a good sign for you. <laughs> so Imam Malik, he said, I have 600 teachers. I studied from 600 teachers in my life on Tazkiyat al-Nafs, of spirituality, on Zikrullah. And I studied 300 with 300 teachers on Sharia. So we cannot eliminate the level of ihsan in our lives. But it doesn't you sit lazy in the, in the corner or your home or in the mosque and say, I'm not doing anything, I want to be a Sufi. That's not correct. Okay? So study well. Two more questions, okay? I Two I last questions with the gentleman, yes. And Sunita, I have a young lady. I know, but let this man finish okay. his question, and then this lady can do it. It'll be the last one, so we can hear some music. <laughs> yes. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. I'm sure you agree with me that Islam encourages curiosity. So there's this one verse in the Quran that's always kept me really curious. It's not about the fight between good and evil, but it's just it's been keeping me curious for a long time. So I just want to read it to you and hear your interpretation. Is that okay? Okay. Okay. This is Surah Al-Talaq, and it's verse number 12. And in this translation, it says, God created seven universes and the same number of earths. The commands flow among them. This is to let you know that God is omnipotent and that God is fully aware of all things. God created seven heavens and seven earths. Why not to be 15 heavens and 15 earths? According to our mentality, our mind is seven heavens, seven layers of divine presence. And seven earths, seven layers or levels of our livelihood when we are living on this earth. It is not that God created seven earths similar to this earth. Might be millions in this universe. There is 80 billion stars in our galaxy. Might be there are a lot of earth similar to our earth, who knows? What it meant if we want to go to a spiritual interpretation, you said interpretation to me, this is, this is translation what you read. But that's where theology is important, to understand. Means when you go to, to the seven levels of heavens, means seven layers of heavenly worshipness within your heart. And seven, have seven levels of worldly life within yourself. 
That is what meant in this verse. And Allah knows. I am more nearer to him than his jugular vein. So he knows everything about what you are doing. And there are seven different levels that Allah is going to question us about it in the day of judgment. This is interpretation from what I have learned. And there are many other interpretations on this issue. Okay, thank you. Okay, we have a, a young lady, finally. Go ahead. Yes, a young lady asking a question. Yes. Assalamualaikum. Wa alaikum salam. My question is in regards to um, just praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in terms of like self-development. I, I, um, I'm not hearing. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, uh, sorry about that. Um, basically, my question is in regards to um, praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in terms of self-development. Um, I guess in terms of like, I've just come to realize you know, in the past few years that like hardships are more, um, can be seen as, um, you know, ways of bettering yourself and like a blessing in disguise because through those hardships you learn more about yourself and you, um, you know, you raise in ranks. So my question is, is that when you pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, you know, goodness in your life and just goodness in, um, you know, general, is it wrong for you to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not to um, give you hardships? And not to like to just increase you in rank and elevate you in rank without um, having to go through those hardships and just you know be able to develop yourself without that. So in, in essence, it's just basically me wondering whether your limitation on your prayer is you know limiting your perception of God. So I don't know if that. Of makes course, sense, God wants you always to ask Him for goodness in this life, for good in this life and hereafter. So asking him always in your prayers to give you good and to take away hardship is acceptable. And this is what he wants from us. And that's why he said, Ask me and I will give to you. So whatever you ask, if you didn't see the fruit immediately, it might, you might be see, see the fruit later. But when you ask something, for sure God will give it to you. Even if he didn't give it to you in this life and it didn't materialize in this life, it will materialize in the hereafter. And you will see the good uh, return of it. So wherever you are, at any moment, even you are praying in your prayer or even you are driving a car and came to your heart to ask God to, take, to eliminate difficulties from you and to give you goodness and it will be recommended as, as I mentioned the ayah before Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adab nar give us in dunya in this world good and in the year after good and, and take us away from hellfire may God take everyone away from hellfire may God take no punishment for anyone because God is the whole mercy my mercy has encompassed everything. My mercy is everything. So, in a holy hadith, God said, my mercy override my anger. So, we only this as teaching, but when it comes to real, God wishes on his human beings that he created by his hand, where he said, We have honored human beings more than angels and more than jinn, anyone else of creation. 
you think he is going to throw everyone in hellfire like survivors movies where they throw them in the jungle and they try to give them a lot of punishment. God created us to punish us? No way. So be happy that, that you have a merciful God. May God bless us all and make us all to heavens. Then we enjoy dunya and we enjoy akhirah. Thank you very much. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Sheikh. You can give him his water. <laughs> Thank you so much. Let me hear everyone say takbir. 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 We are very grateful. And um, how many of us, I know, I feel really good tonight. I, I'm so relaxed and I'm just... I've come a lot closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, since I walked into this door. How many of you feel that way? Let me hear you. Hi. Clap your hands. There you go. There you go. Something sunk in. Let me tell you, you're not going to be the same after.